You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hi everyone, this is Lindsay and I'm here with my friend Jessica tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, and so why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about your family? Sure, Um, so my husband Dan and I have been married for almost nine years and we have three kids. Sydney is seven almost. She wants everyone to know that. She's almost seven. <laughs> That's important. Yes. And Scarlett is four. And then Wesley is five months. Awesome. So, yeah. So th- I stay home with them full time. And it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But it's been awesome. So. Good. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've had postpartum throughout all of my kids. Okay. Um, but with my first, with Sydney, I didn't really realize that that's what I had. Um, I feel like when you first become a mom, you don't really know what it's supposed to feel like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you just kind of deal with whatever you your new normal is. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I and I feel like it started before I even had her. Um because when I was about 30, I want to say 36 weeks pregnant with her, um, we found out that she was breech. Mm. And so uh, the doctor said, you know, unless she turns, you're most likely going to have to have a C-section. And I'm a big planner. And so that was totally not my plan. And so I feel like I was already kind of thrown, you know, for a loop. And and so um, we tried to turn her you know if you've ever had a breech baby you know all the things that you do to try and like turn them at home and then um we we tried to turn her at um at the hospital which was a really painful experience that's very painful yeah it was bad and it and it didn't work um so we scheduled the c-section um and it went fine but it was definitely like I feel like I was already kind of behind like I didn't really know you know this wasn't how it was supposed to be and then she wouldn't nurse and uh, she was just really little and just could have cared less you know she just she didn't care and so I'm like trying everything I can to get her to gain weight and um, so I just put a lot of pressure on myself too and you know I'm a first-time mom oh she needs to get breast milk and so I should have just given myself grace and just been like just give her formula it's fine but I didn't well and I think that's normal as a first-time mom to have these expectations and everyone else makes it look like you're supposed to do it this way exactly and it was like oh I'm you know this is the natural thing like this is I'm supposed to be able to do this you know um and so yeah I totally was and so instead of just going to formula I decided to pump full-time um, which was the worst experience Ugh. because I wasn't making any milk. And so I was just pumping for like the next feeding. Um, and so I was putting all this pressure on myself. I've got to get three ounces. I've got to get three mm. ounces so that she can eat, you know, like I don't, I don't have a stash. I have nothing extra. Yeah. And so even when she was asleep at night, I would, 
wake myself up to pump you know and so I'm not sleeping and Dan's not sleeping because he's feeding her while I'm trying to sleep and so we were both just kind of like zombies yeah um and so I feel like it just the whole experience of motherhood started out a lot different than I thought it was going to um and I had some chronic pain that had started like during pregnancy um like with my hips and stuff that they said was gonna go away after and it didn't and it was getting worse and so I couldn't even walk up the stairs without pain and I couldn't lay on my side without pain and and so I just felt so like like messed up Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) and um and so I just kind of started hanging out on the couch you know and um I did what I needed to do to keep Sydney alive, but that was kind of the bare minimum, you know, and, um, I didn't do anything. Like, I just felt like I was numb and just kind of in a haze all the time. And did you notice that you were feeling that way? Did Dan notice that? Yeah, I, I noticed it, but I, I couldn't put my finger on this is postpartum depression. You know what I mean? I just knew that I felt off and, and I know that Dan noticed it too. And, you know, he, you know guys are like fixers you yeah. know they they wanted they want to fix stuff and so he's like oh well, you know you should get out in the sun and you know and and I'm like yeah I should but I I cannot get off the couch you and know I don't want to yeah I don't want to I just I can't get myself to do anything and I think I had a little bit of anxiety too um like I wouldn't want to like I would I would want to go to Target to just walk around but I was scared that like Sydney would start crying while I was there and and I couldn't get her to stop or you know what if she like had a blowout and I couldn't you know like and she was all gross and I I couldn't change her right away because we were at Target like you know Mm -hmm. and so I just I was scared to go anywhere and so I didn't go anywhere which made the depression worse Mm -hmm. you know um so it's just kind of like this vicious cycle and I didn't really talk to anyone about it because I was just like well this is how it is I guess you know yeah this This is my new normal yeah this is my new normal and it sucks but oh well you know um and so after about a year um we decided to start trying to get pregnant again which like I look back and I just laugh because I'm like what it was going so well the first time (laughs) like let's do it again you know um but I think we put these expectations on ourselves from the yeah. get-go. Like, I want my kids to be this far apart. This exactly. is what I want. You know, like, like you said, you're a planner. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, and I, and I loved Sydney, and I wanted her to have siblings and everything. And I guess I just felt like, you know, it's got to get better somehow, right? And maybe having another one will, will make it better. So, Um, so we got pregnant and, um, when I was about seven weeks along, I had my first miscarriage. Mm. Um, and I was shocked. Um, my mom had six kids and never had a miscarriage. I didn't really know anyone that had had a miscarriage, which looking back is so funny because they happen all the time. It's so true, but a lot of people don't talk about it. So you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And that's why I'm, I'm always so open about mine and my situations because I just feel like people need to know and and it's so funny when you start to say oh I've had a miscarriage there are so many people that said I have too I have too you know I found that too yeah yeah you just you never know and so um 
but you know but at the time I'm like oh I've had this miscarriage I have failed again you know Mm -hmm. and so I went to the OB um to make sure that I was healthy and everything and um she was very nice and said you know there's nothing you could have done like this hopefully is just your one miscarriage they happen a lot and hopefully we'll see you soon with another baby you know um and so we started trying again right away which was good it was a good thing to like move on um and I got pregnant right away which I'm really grateful for looking back because it helped me to you know not forget about the first one obviously because you don't forget but um to help me kind of um heal a little bit yeah and have something to look forward to yeah you know so um but then, I mean, anyone that's had a miscarriage knows how hard it is to be pregnant after you've lost a baby because it's not just all sunshine and rainbows anymore um, because you know what could happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, you try and be strong and, and have a good attitude, but, you know, it's like every time I went to the bathroom, I was scared I was going to see blood. And I... I just was nervous for 40 weeks. Yeah. You know, got like this little cloud (laughs) over you that's like, but something could still happen. Exactly. And so I feel like that was kind of making my depression worse too. Mm. Um, And I was really pregnant in the winter. And so it was cold outside. I just stayed in my pajamas all the time. Um, And I knew near the end of that pregnancy, I knew that I needed to do something but I was like, well, I'm pregnant. Like, I'm, I'm not going to start taking anything now. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm just going to try and get through this pregnancy and then I can try and figure it out. So um, I had Scarlett and um, right away it was a better experience than the first time around. I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit and um, the recovery was better and she ate better. I was producing milk and, and, um, so I was like, okay, I, you know, I can do this. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, I started feeling that, that cloud come back. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I was like, okay, this is not normal. I need to do something um, about this. So um, I started to think of different ideas, um, you know, whether I wanted to do like counseling or whatever, you know. And um, I decided that I really just wanted to try some medication. Um, And I called my friend um, who I knew had been on some postpartum depression medication. And so I asked her her experience with it and and, uh, I did some research. uh, And I decided that I was gonna talk to my OB at my eight week postpartum appointment about it. Um, But before I did that, I knew I needed to talk to my husband about it and I was really nervous to tell him um because he like won't take Tylenol if he has a headache (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't like medication he won't you know and I'm just like popping the ibuprofen (laughs) whenever I can't you know (laughs) and he just always kind of like makes fun of me for that and um so I was really nervous to tell him that I wanted to try and go on a medication because I didn't know if he would just kind of blow it off or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, And so I finally kind of got the courage to talk to him about it. And right away, he was so incredibly supportive. Like he, I, I just need to tell you what an amazing man he is. Mm -hmm. He seriously is 
has been so supportive of me throughout all these ups and downs and like looking back I'm sure that he was just willing to try anything to kind of get his wife back (laughs) you know because I was not myself and um and so he said yeah if you if that's what you want to do then you should talk to your doctor about it and so went to my eight-week appointment and I thought I was maybe gonna have to like rationalize or convince my doctor like this is why I think I need it um but as soon as he asked me like how I was doing emotionally I just kind of told him some of the symptoms I had been feeling and right away he said okay let's put you on something you know and and let's try it and I was so grateful that you know that I I didn't have to feel like I was pushing him to do something. You didn't feel like you had to state your case. Yeah, exactly. Like he was very much like, okay, if you feel like you need it, then you need it, you know? And so he just gave me a very low dose of something that I could take like while I was nursing and started taking it. He said it would take about two weeks to kick in. And I can tell you the day that it kicked in. Like I, I felt it and it was, it was amazing. It was like a breath of fresh air. That's awesome. Um, because I just feel like I had been kind of like living like underwater for so long, you know, just like there, but not really there. And I finally felt like I could breathe and I felt normal again. Like I wanted to get projects done and, oh, that's so awesome. You know, like I just, I, it didn't cure it by any means, but, um, it helped me at least get the energy to like try and, and feel better, Yeah, you know? And bring a little bit of balance into my life. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so grateful that I've had that because um, it just, it helped me be a better mom with Scarlett that I, I felt I, like I had been such a bad mom with Sydney, mm. you know? And I still think about that and I, I feel bad, you know, that I couldn't give her more when she was little. Um and you know luckily kids are so resilient absolutely <laughs> and she still loves me and she didn't know the difference but yeah. but well, I, we all have things that we wish we yes. could have done differently especially with that first kid <laughs> where we're just figuring it out and they're exactly. our guinea pig and exactly. it's just hard and you know we do spend a lot of time blaming ourselves like you said she wouldn't eat and you're probably going what am I doing wrong that she's not eating exactly. and the answer is nothing yeah like that's just how she came right yeah she just came out not wanting to eat not wanting to sleep you know like (laughs) it's so hard it just yeah so I'm just grateful that I got that help with Scarlett um and I wish I had had that with Sid but you know it is what it is now yeah and um and it definitely taught me you know some things about myself like on the way so but I am grateful that I had that medication going forward because then we started going through some infertility stuff. Um, and when Scarlett was about a year old, we decided that we were going to start trying to get pregnant again. And it was taking longer than I wanted, um, you know, but I was just trying to be patient. Um, and I finally got pregnant and then I had my second miscarriage. Mm. Um, and this time I wasn't super shocked like I was before. Um, How far along were you on that? I was only about seven weeks again. Yeah. Um, Which I'm grateful for because I've been able to like, you know, lose everything at home. I I Mm. didn't, I never had to have a surgery or anything. Um, But 
I feel like no matter when you lose your baby. Oh, it's still so hard. Yeah. You, you've made these plans and you know, oh, they're going to be this age exactly. at, at Christmas or, you know, whatever. And, and you have to, to grieve this loss, you yeah. know, that, that 95% of the people in your life didn't even know, you know, was going on. Right. And so, so I'm curious to know, did you tell people when you had your second miscarriage? Like you said you were open about it. And yeah. so, yeah. And my family knew that I was pregnant, um, because I can't keep a secret from them. <laughs> and so they knew right away. And I knew that since I had had a miscarriage before that I was going to need people around me if I had another one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, told the people that I needed to tell and, um, tried to move on and we started to try and get pregnant again and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening. And so about how long, um, it had been about a year after my miscarriage. Okay. Um, because my OB told me you need to wait about a year you know, because you have gotten pregnant, you just haven't been able to keep it. Mm. But you need to wait about a year and then we can start like doing tests or whatever. And I just wanted to get going because yeah. I just, I wanted to know what was wrong and how we could fix it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, we live in a neighborhood that has a lot of kids. And so when you are wanting that and everyone else seems to be pregnant and you're not, it's really, really it hard. Is. Yeah. And, um, I feel like the comparison was not good for my mental health either. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I tried so hard to just be like, it's okay. Like everyone has a different path, but you know, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's especially hard to be or to be patient when it's not, it's not your plan. Like I didn't plan for (laughs) this many months or years of not having it happen. Like exactly. I thought we'd be here by now. Right. And Scarlett was getting older and older and still didn't have a sibling. And I'm so grateful that Sydney and Scarlett had each other during that time. Um, Because, you know, at least it wasn't like, oh, Sydney's all by herself and she's never going to have a sibling, you know. Right. And I feel like secondary infertility is really hard because you almost feel guilty because you already have kids. You know, I've had people say to me, well, at least you have kids already, you know, and, and then you start to feel bad about yeah. that, that you are sad that you can't have another one. Exactly. It's hard. Cause I'm like, yeah, cause there are so many women that would just kill to even have one. one. And yeah. so, um, you know, so then you feel sad and guilty, you know, and, um, and it doesn't make it hurt any less. Right. You know, so um, when that year came up, I made an appointment right away as soon as I could. And we started doing tests and everything was normal, um, with me and with Dan. And there were, there were no answers. Mm. Um, and so it got to the point where they said at my OB, okay, we've kind of done all we can do. So you should probably go to a fertility doctor now. And so I met with one and he looked through all of our files and talked with us and basically said, well, I, I can't see anything that's wrong, but you know, just with your history and your age and everything, you probably have about a 1% chance of getting pregnant on your own at this point. And I'm like, 
okay. but he couldn't give you a reason why <laughs> yeah he couldn't give me a reason why he was just like there you know you've been trying for this long and um and so he just said let's let's try a few more tests you know and then we can go from there and so he said wait until your next cycle starts and on your day one call me and we'll set them up and if anyone's ever been through infertility you know that you you know you know your cycle mm-hmm. days because you call it certain days right. and you you know things have to happen in a very certain order and so we went home and um waited for day one and it never happened it never came i never got my period and i was like okay i should i take a test like i'm really nervous too because i don't want it to be negative right you know yeah um but we waited to the point where it was like okay something's up and so i took a pregnancy test and um it was positive wow and we were like okay this is our miracle baby you know this is was this is our one percent yeah this is our one percent chance and this was obviously meant to happen Mm -hmm. um and then i lost that baby Mm. and so at that point i was angry you know as well as sad um because i was just like you've got to be kidding me you know i this is not how it's supposed to be and and now I'm getting to the point where I'm really nervous that even if I can get pregnant again am I going to be able to hold on to the baby um and so and how many times are you going to put yourself through that yeah exactly I mean I just it tears you apart every single time you know and and I was getting really worried at this point because I'm like, the three miscarriages, that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And is there something wrong? But if there is, why can't we find it? Um, and so it was just a lot of unanswered questions, you know? And so uh, after that miscarriage, I talked to my fertility doctor again and he said, well, we can try to do, you know, some treatments, but since we don't really know why, you know what's wrong um you know we can't really give you like a really good chance with them and they they said that we could try and do IUI um intrauterine insemination but my sister-in-law had just tried that four different times and it hadn't worked and so I was so nervous to put myself through that mm-hmm. and um and to not have it work or to have it work and then lose that baby too yeah and so we just felt like it wasn't the right time and we would just keep trying um and then if it was meant to happen it was meant to happen um and so all during this I'm like so grateful that I was on my medication because I feel like if I wasn't I would have just spiraled you know because already I was having a hard time trying to keep it together (laughs) sure um and you know and i made sure to talk to my fertility doctor like is this medication okay to be taking during all this you know i just want to make sure there wasn't anything and and he said yes if you feel like you need to be on it you should be on it yeah you know like your mental health plays a big part in it totally um so luckily probably four or five months later we got pregnant again and um and so I called my fertility doctor right away and I said, okay, what do we need to do to keep this baby? And so he put me on some medications. Were you doing any kind of treatments to get to help you get pregnant at no, that point? No, no. Okay. It just happened naturally. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
which I'm so grateful for, you know. So we, we started some medications to try and keep the pregnancy. And um, I wanted to have a lot of like early ultrasounds to make sure and everything. And so I had an ultrasound at like six weeks, at seven weeks, you know, just mm-hmm. to make sure. And about, I think it was at my seven week ultrasound, um, we found out that the baby was good. Like we saw a heartbeat, um, but I had a hemorrhage. Hmm. in my uterus um and i think it's called a subchorionic hemorrhage and it's basically just like a pocket of blood that's um just in your uterus and sometimes you bleed externally but sometimes you don't um and there's nothing that can really be done about it you just kind of have to wait and hope that it goes away um but there is a chance that it can like detach the placenta from the Hmm. uterine wall um and obviously if that happens then the baby will die and so at this point I'm just like you've got to be kidding me like I I really I I need this one you know so they put me on modified bed rest to just try and keep that baby in there and keep everything healthy so I was able to like get up and go to the bathroom and like walk to the bus stop to get Sydney from from kindergarten but that was about it and Mm. the rest of the time I laid in bed and so that did not help my depression (laughs) because I was just you know like a couch potato for the first half of my pregnancy so Um, yeah so it lasted until you were how many weeks it lasted until my 20 week ultrasound so every time I went to the doctor I got an ultrasound and they said yep it's still there um and I never bled which was good because I knew that that would be really shocking after you know everything um but finally at my 20 week they said yeah we can't find it anywhere it it has dissolved and so by that point you know it's a a normal pregnancy you know quote unquote but um, and baby's doing well baby was doing really good um but by that point I had lost a lot of momentum of like exercising and you know what I mean like I was just trying to just get through the rest of the pregnancy Uh, like right before I got pregnant with with this baby um I had actually considered going off of my medication because I was like oh I'm like Scarlett's four years old now almost I'm not really postpartum anymore you Mm -hmm. know so I wonder if I still need it Mm -hmm. and so I talked to my doctor and they said yeah, you can try and wean yourself off of it and, and see, you know? Um, and so I figured out the healthy way to do that and it did not go well. Mm. (laughs) Um, I was depressed, but I also found that I was very angry all the time. Like I was really mean to my kids Mm. and I just really had a short temper and everything was a big deal to me. And I just knew that this wasn't me either, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, decided to go back on it at that point and looking back like I was postpartum because I had had all these miscarriages throughout that time and so my hormones were going up and down that whole time and um so of course I still you know needed it and so during all of this I you know I I was on my medication throughout my this pregnancy and at every appointment my OB just said yes if you feel like you still need to be on it then you need to be on it yeah Um, even through the end of your pregnancy and, um, which was 
took a load off my mind because I was willing to go off of it like if I needed to for my baby but I was scared too right you know um and so uh we had Wesley uh five months ago and he was healthy and beautiful and um you know things obviously haven't been perfect they Mm -hmm. never are um you know I I fed him I I nursed him for a little while but then I just kept getting clogged ducts and it just wasn't it wasn't good for my mental health it Mm -hmm. really wasn't and in fact I I went to my postpartum eight-week appointment with my OB this time around and she said you know it's funny because we focus so much on nursing and we focus so much on postpartum depression but sometimes those things don't go together Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like some people are made to nurse and it goes well and it's so good for them and for other people it it has the opposite effect yeah you know and I liked Wesley so much more after I stopped nursing him (laughs) you know I I just felt like I had my body back and and I could be somewhat of a normal person again and and he's done fine you know he loves his bottle it's totally okay yeah and um and so I'm a big proponent of just saying you know like however you can do it just do it that way and we get so much pressure from social media but also from ourselves Mm -hmm. you know and I just have had to learn to just tell myself it's okay and just to let some things go yeah you know every mom is different every baby is different every experience is different and you just gotta thank goodness you could recognize that that was not good for your mental health yeah and be like this isn't gonna make or break us yeah like yeah. we can give this up and it'll be a lot better for us exactly. I guess it could make or break yeah you, it, could, it, it would break me yes <laughs> well and it's so funny because with all three of my kids I have needed someone to tell me like it's okay to stop you know yeah like after Scarlett, I, I had I had a ton of clogged ducts and I was so nervous about getting a breast infection and my mom just said, just stop. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know? And and then it happened this last time too with Wesley. Like Dan needed to tell me, it's okay. Yeah. Just stop. He'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And um and so I feel like that helped me kind of get through that really hard postpartum um time better this time around you know with Wesley yeah. so I'm I'm still on my medication and I will be on it for as long as I feel like I need it and yeah. I'm so grateful that I was able to find one that worked for me that I don't have any weird side effects and I know that's not true with all women right and so I'm really grateful that I found something that has helped um and it's helped me just to like give me that boost so that I can get out the door and play with my kids yeah and go to the library and um, you know, have a, a life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and with your baby only being five months, I mean, think of where you could be exactly. if you didn't have the medication because it's obviously a big help for you. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. So have you talked to anyone about your experience other than sharing with us on the podcast? Have you opened up to friends and family about what you've gone through? Yeah. I, um, I've told my family, they know that I've been on you know, medication. I don't know if they know the extent of, of everything that I felt. Um, but I find that it really does help to talk to people. And every time that I've talked to friends or, you know, people in neighborhood about it, more times than not, 
they have their own story as well. You know, they're like, oh yeah, I've, I deal with anxiety right now, or I had really bad postpartum depression with my first or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I will always be open about the fact that I take medication and, um, and that it's helped me and it's not something you need to be ashamed of. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just really grateful for people that do open up to me as well, because we need to know that we're not alone. Right. You know? There are so many people that, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know if they're doing okay or if they're laying on their couch too. And it's amazing what a happy face people can put on when what's really going on is not happy at all. Exactly. I I truly believe that people with postpartum depression or any kind of depression or mental illness, they're very good actors, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not... A sickness that other people can see mm-hmm. and so you it's it's very easy to just kind of go through the motions and when you're out in public just kind of do what you need to do and then when you get back home you just you know you yeah. just decompress and you're yeah. like oh my gosh that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to go to the store yeah you know yeah um and so it's it's tiring and it's so hard but. well and how great that I mean that you did you know, you tried to go off the medication, you realize this isn't worth it. Yeah. Like, and I mean, we've talked about it several times on the podcast, but it shouldn't be something that you feel like you need to get off of. No. And I feel like with, uh, with mental health and medication that, that it's unrealistic for people to think that that's the goal. Yeah. Like I'll get over the hump. Mm-hmm. I'll get over the hard part. And then as soon as I start to feel good, I'll quit taking it. Yes. It's like if it's working, keep taking obviously it. you still need it yeah it's, it's not worth it for you to go off of it just so that you don't have to take it exactly you know? because the repercussions of not taking it and feeling horrible and going mm-hmm. back into that dark place is definitely not worth it exactly and if you take a medication that works go for it yeah you know? yeah exactly and and I am so grateful that it has made that difference and so if there's anyone out there that you know they're worried about it or or whatever like talk to a doctor and if that doctor isn't supportive of it talk to a different doctor yeah you know and or maybe there's something else out there you know that can help you but I just think you need to find some way to start healing you know so that you can get back to a a normal life and and that way it doesn't have to take over your life you know it's like I I live with my postpartum depression every day Mm -hmm. but it doesn't define who I am you know I I live with it but but I can still live yeah exactly (laughs) yes that's so well put and it doesn't have to define who you are you know I I I'm not postpartum depression but I'm a person with postpartum depression right Okay, so Jessica, if you could go back to yourself when you were on the couch and unmotivated and could barely get out the door to go to the grocery store, what do you wish someone would have told you? Or what would you tell someone in that situation? Um, I think I would just say it does get better. Like, it's not going to be like this forever, you know, but you have to figure out a way to start healing, you know, um, One thing that I try and do every day is get dressed. (laughs) It sounds so silly, but um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you know what that's like. You know, if I get dressed, I can feel more motivated throughout the day. And also, I feel like I have to give myself 
grace and just say it's okay if I have some bad days yeah some some days are bad still um but I know that it's not going to be like that forever and I just take it for what it is and I think tomorrow will be better and 99% of the time it is um and so I think that it's so hard to see that light when you're so far down in that darkness but there is light and if you can find it through a friend or you know with your doctor or talk to your husband or whatever um then you know that's a good place to start yeah you've got to take that first step yeah yeah thank you so much it's been so lovely to hear your story and what you've gone through and I know that you're you've probably already helped a lot of people but other people (laughs) who get to listen to your podcast are are going to be able to take a lot away from what you've shared so thank you Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.